Well, thanks for checking out this extra teaching in our With Our Whole Hearts series. As we go throughout this series, we're exploring what we're calling a community rule of life, a set of habits and practices and attitudes from Jesus's life that are rooted in the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish that we are then invited to put into practice in our lives. That when Jesus says, follow me, he actually means to follow him, to do what he did, to uh, live life how he lived it. And that will lead to the life of wholeness and trust and freedom that he wants for us. Uh, In this first half of this series, we are exploring practices of how we love God. Uh, That Jesus says the most important thing that we can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what does it look like for us to love God, to practice some practices that will position us to love God and to grow in our understanding of his love for us? Week one, we looked at the practice of practice, that Jesus invites us to embody his habits, his values, his teachings in our everyday lives, doing the things that Jesus did and applying them in my context, in my situation to follow him today. The second practice is the practice of prayer. And that prayer is not just telling God what I need or what I want or what I'm thinking about, but that prayer is prioritizing being with Jesus over being busy for Jesus to cultivate attentive awareness of his leading. That in prayer, I draw my attention to God's power and presence in our world and in my life. And as a result, I can yield control and I can trust him and I have a better awareness of what he wants me to do, of how he wants me to live, of how he wants me to think about my circumstances. This week, in the third week, we're looking at the practice of pace. The practice of pace means this, that we embrace healthy rhythms of rest and work for long-term health over short-term gains. The practice of pace means we embrace healthy rhythms of rest and work for long-term health over short-term gains. On Sunday, we looked at how you and I tend to be very busy people, uh, and busyness cultivates two lies in our hearts. The one lie is the lie of scarcity, that I don't have enough. And so we're constantly running after trying to get more time or get more money because we think that I need to provide. Uh, The other lie is the lie of my identity, that I am not enough. And so busyness actually cultivates this sense that I'm important, that people need me. And so where I feel like I'm not enough, work tells me that I am enough or that people need me. And so we actually like busyness because it does something deep in our bones. But Jesus, on the other hand, where we work in order to rest, Jesus rested in order to work, that he often withdrew from the busyness to pray and to rest. And from that position, he was then able to discern the work that God had for him. Or as Jesus says in John 15, that as we abide in him, as we rest in him, as we remain in him, the result will be fruitfulness. Uh, So the the result of this is a life of activity, but it is the right activity, the activity that comes from a deep abiding trust in God's love and God's presence in my life. And so the primary practice that we looked at that helps us slow down, that helps us prioritize rest so that we can work is the practice of Sabbath. The Sabbath in the Bible is a day set aside to stop working and to rest and to enjoy God's goodness and God's grace. Uh, That God is in control of the world, that he created a world of enough, and he invites us to not try to prove ourselves or to perform in order to belong, but simply to stop and trust that he has performed for us. 
that the gospel of grace, which is what the message of Jesus is all about, is that God has provided for us in Jesus what we need. He has performed for us the righteousness that you and I could not perform. And so we are invited to not try to prove ourselves or perform for God, but to simply trust and enter into a relationship with God. And so the practice of Sabbath becomes a fundamental practice that challenges and confronts these lies that keep me busy so that we can actually enjoy time with God, that God actually wants us to enjoy him, to experience life with him. And Sabbath, this practice of setting aside a time to be with him, to not try to prove anything, is actually a fundamental rhythm in Jesus's life that you and I can begin to incorporate into our lives. Uh, we looked at three three ways to begin integrating this into our lives on Sunday. The first is to set apart the time. The second is to say yes to what matters most. And then third is to say no to everything else. Uh, now, Sabbath can be very personal and very particular to your circumstances, what work looks like for you, what season of life you're in. And so I want to take just a few minutes in this extra teaching to talk about each one of those three things uh, to help you begin to think about what Sabbath might look like in your life as we set the time apart, as we say yes to what matters most, and as we say no to everything else. first place to begin as you consider integrating the Sabbath practice into your life is to set apart the time. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God creates creation in six days, and on the seventh day, he calls the Sabbath day, this day of rest, holy. In other words, it is set apart. It is a different kind of time. Uh, where six days we work and we're busy and we're active, on the seventh day, it is a different kind of time. Uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his book on the Sabbath, he talks about how uh, most other creation myths present in the time of Israel, on the last day, uh, the God or the power that created would actually create a place, uh, whether it was a temple or a mountain, and that would be the holy place that you would go. But instead, uh, Rabbi Heschel says that the Sabbath is a palace in time or a, a temple in time that God actually gives this regular rhythm in which one out of every seven days we are invited to experience him not by traveling to a particular place, but instead by stopping and resting and enjoying him, which is a radically universal kind of practice if you think about it. If the holy place is a place, then I have to have the means or the ability to travel there to get there. But the Sabbath, once every seven days, comes to all of us. Uh, and so setting apart the time is to begin by looking at your week and your schedule uh, and say, where can I establish this time? Where can I set this time apart to do something different? Now, in Jesus's day, this time would have been Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. Uh, this was Sabbath for everyone. If you were a Jew, that's when you practice Sabbath in that context. But Paul in Colossians, as he's talking to the early church about different festivals and Sabbath practices, uh, he indicates in chapter 2, verse 16, that uh, the actual day matters less than the actual practice. And so there's freedom for you to say, what time in my week can I begin to set apart as a different time? And I would say the first thing is don't overanalyze this. 
You know, it might be hard at first to say, where in the world can I find 24 hours? Where in the world can I, I find this time in my week? But chances are you already have a time or a space set aside in your week that's different. Uh, and so setting it apart is first to say, okay, what time in my week can I step out of my job or can I step out of my work? Uh, that you probably hopefully have at least one day in your week where you are not working, uh, where you are not on call, uh, and you can begin to integrate this mindset that this time is set apart. And then the second thing to think about is with that time, uh, how can you kind of set that time apart? So one practice that Kelly and I have begun to integrate into our Sabbath practice uh, is beginning our time, uh, which for us is Thursday p.m., uh, with uh, lighting a candle and then just reading a simple prayer uh, to kind of enter into the Sabbath. Uh, it's simply a way for us to set that time apart differently uh, so that it's not the same as every other week uh, or every other day. It's, it's a time that's a little bit different, set apart to be with God and to rest and to stop. Part of setting apart the time is also uh, providing some shielding to that time. And what I mean by that is uh, one of the f- hard parts about setting the time apart is going to be where do you even find that time? Uh, And so one practice in my life that has been helpful is in my calendar, uh, which I'm a very like calendar addicted person. If you ask me to meet, I'm going to put it in my calendar. I have in my calendar a regular recurring block of time that's called Sabbath. And so if anyone wants to meet or if I'm trying to schedule something or if I'm trying to get something done, I have blocked off in my calendar already uh, a chunk of time that is Sabbath. And so if people ask to meet with me and it's that time, then I can't meet in that time. Uh, or if I have tasks to do, I have to fit them into other times uh, so that I can begin to set the time apart in the ways in which I have the ability to say no uh, so that I can protect that time. Uh, and so you may feel like uh, 24 hours is too big of a challenge. Uh, like you may feel really maxed out right now. Uh, but setting apart the time, I think begin with what time you have. Uh, you may be able to find three hours. Uh, don't throw out those three hours because it's not 24. Uh, Because part of this is growing into this. Uh, My wife Kelly and I started practicing Sabbath a couple years ago, and I'd say it's only been in the past six months that we've really been able to dial it in a little bit better. Uh, So don't allow the ideal of the Sabbath to get in in the way of simply beginning to practice time set apart. Uh, So if you can find three hours, start with three hours. If you can find eight hours, start with eight hours. Uh, With the goal being that as you develop this regular rhythm of saying no in that time, uh, you develop sort of the reflexes and the muscles to be able to say no and hopefully over time expand that time. Uh, you know, and if you work in a job that has lots of hours all over the place, it might be hard to say this is my Sabbath time. Uh, but chances are you have a work schedule that is given out maybe a week in advance. Uh, beginning from there to say, okay, if this is when I'm scheduled for work, then how can I pick the time in this week where I'm not working, where I'm not scheduled to be on, and make part of that day a Sabbath day? Uh, Because I think the rhythm of one every seven is important, but not necessarily that it has to be the same day. Uh, That God seems to build this regular rhythm of one every seven days should be set apart or set aside for the Sabbath practice. But if your schedule's all over the place or your life is all over the place, uh, that rhythm of one in seven I think is important. 
to say by the fifth day, if I haven't put a Sabbath on my calendar, I should be thinking about this uh, so that I can begin this regular practice of routinely meeting with God uh, in this time of Sabbath. And so setting apart the time is saying this time is different. This time is devoted. This time is holy. Uh, And so I'm going to treat it as such uh, by not filling it with a bunch of things, but instead keeping in my mind and in my heart that this is time set apart. Abraham Heschel, in his book on the Sabbath, he says, God wants to meet with us in time. Uh, That God is not defined by the things of space, which oftentimes I can manipulate. I can build things. I can do things. I can construct things. But rather that when we take this regular set apart time, that God wants to meet us in our rest and meet us in the Sabbath. And so this is not setting apart time like, oh, it's a time out where I'm going to be punished. But instead, we set apart the time as holy so that we can meet with God that we can be present with him and live life with him, which after all is what following Jesus is all about. Once you have the time set apart, then the question becomes, what do I do with this time? You know, we tend to think that the Sabbath is a time where I need to be careful that I'm not working, uh, to be sure that I'm not accidentally doing some things that will make God mad. But that's not fundamentally what the Sabbath is about. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. On the seventh day, God rested from his work. But then the, the language of the Hebrew in Genesis 2 verses 1 and 2 actually seems to indicate uh, that God celebrated the creation that he so creatively created. It uses this word create several times in that description of the first Sabbath day. In other words, uh, God is reveling in his creation. He is enjoying his creation. He is enjoying life. And this is what is so profoundly impacting about the Sabbath is that the Sabbath is not just saying no to a bunch of things because God's a killjoy, but instead God invites us to enjoy life with him to enjoy his good gifts, and to enjoy the creation that he so creatively created. And so Sabbath begins not with a no, but with a yes, of saying yes to what matters most in my life, and how can I open this day up, open this time up to be able to say yes to those things that matter most. And so on Sunday, I offered, I think, three things that we say yes to on the Sabbath. The first thing that we say yes to is time with Jesus. Uh, That the Sabbath is a day set aside to the Lord, or as Jesus said in Mark 2, uh, he is Lord of the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath is not like another day off, where oftentimes on a day off, I'm trying to get things done. I'm trying to catch up. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm paying the bills. I'm doing all these things in order to try to get ahead or to catch up on what I'm supposed to do. That's not a Sabbath. Uh, The Sabbath is a time set aside, first and foremost, to be aware of God's presence, to be aware that God is with me, and to cultivate my attention and my presence and my enjoyment of him. And so the first thing to consider integrating into your Sabbath is this practice of time with Jesus. Now, this is why I think for a lot of people, the practice of Sabbath uh, over a Sunday where you can gather with the people of God in worship and celebration and communion and prayer is a really good practice of Sabbath. 
uh, that even if you are serving on a Sunday or you're helping on a Sunday, that that does not negate your Sabbath practice because the Sabbath is about opening our attention and opening our awareness to God's leading and God's presence. And so serving and helping and contributing and worshiping and praying, all of these things are about us coming together as a community around who Jesus is. And so finding time where you can spend some time in awareness of who Jesus is, uh, listening to him in scripture, listening to him in prayer. Uh, Sabbath becomes a great practice where you can begin to integrate other spiritual disciplines uh, to cultivate your attention to Jesus and what he wants for you. Uh, And so Sabbath, first and foremost, is about time with Jesus. But this also invites us to stretch our imagination about what it means to spend time with Jesus. Uh, That Sabbath breaks down this sort of sacred-secular divide that we have in our thinking that some things, like going to church, are sacred, uh, but like taking a walk in the woods are secular. Uh, Instead, we're invited to say, how can I just spend time with Jesus? How can I be aware of his presence? How can I enjoy his presence? Uh, For me, one practice of Sabbath that has been really life-giving is simply like taking a hike through Goodyear Metro Park. Uh, with an awareness and kind of with a prayerful mindset of walking and talking with Jesus, uh, where I'm spending time with him, but I'm also doing something that I enjoy uh, by taking a hike in the woods. And so spending time with Jesus is, I think, one of the fundamental things that we do in the practice of Sabbath. But the second thing that we do in Sabbath is we take time to rest. And rest simply means that we stop working. Uh, And in a world in which email is on our phones and Slack notifications are always going off and we're always available, we're always accessible, uh, this is a very important thing to do in our Sabbath is we take time to stop working. And so what work is to you, uh, what you do with your work will determine what rest looks like. Uh, For example, if you work in construction or landscaping, uh, to come home and spend Sabbath day working on your yard or working on a house project, uh, that falls into that same category of work. And so you probably shouldn't integrate that into your Sabbath practice. On the other hand, if you have a job that's very uh, computer-driven or very sedentary, uh, a good restful practice is probably for you to be a little bit more physically active. Uh, Maybe for you to mow the lawn or maybe for you to go on a hike or a walk. That uh, what work looks like to you, rest typically needs to be the opposite. Uh, So if you're very physically active, then rest should probably be uh, a little bit more inactive. But if you're very mentally active in your work, then rest should look like being a little bit mentally inactive or slowing down in your thinking and your performance in that kind of way. Uh, Part of this practice in my life is when we practice the Sabbath, uh, I don't set an alarm in the morning. Uh, which is kind of scary. Some days I wake up super early, some days I wake up super late, but the point is this, is that I just need rest. And that is how part, part of how God wants me to experience the Sabbath. Uh, we also take a break from trying to accomplish things, uh, trying to strive after things, and sometimes just allow the day to be the day. Uh, and I'm, this is hard for me because I tend to get re- very restless. I tend to struggle with just stopping, uh, not just with my body, but also my mind. And so that's where practices like prayer and contemplation and reflection, uh, some of the prayer practices that we talked about last week, are really good practices to integrate into Sabbath to help your body and your mind rest. But the good news, if you are a restless person like me, is that Sabbath is not just about sitting on the couch doing nothing. Uh, That Sabbath is, in fact, a yes to joy. Uh, So the third thing to integrate into your practice of Sabbath is time for joy. In other words, what do you love doing? 
what practices or what activities bring you life. Uh, They rejuvenate you. Uh, They give you a fresh start for your week. Integrating those practices into your Sabbath is what the Sabbath is all about. Uh, As Dan Allender said, and we quoted on Sunday, uh, Sabbath is basically asking this question, what would you do if for 24 hours the only goal was to pursue joy? Uh, And so Sabbath becomes the best night of your week or the best day of your week because it's in this day that you're saying yes to the things that you love doing. Uh, And this is where if you have kids at home, Sabbath can be such an exciting thing or such a fun thing because Sabbath is the night of ice cream sundaes and a movie. It is the day of going to the zoo or going on an adventure in the woods. And and yes, there's probably a lot of preparation. And yes, there's probably some things uh, that make that stressful as a parent. But it is about having fun together with this awareness and knowledge that this is what God wants from me. In fact, this is a uh, taste of what the new creation is going to be like, Uh, a world full of joy and excitement where God invites me to enjoy time with him. And so what brings you life? What brings you joy? That is the invitation of the Sabbath. Uh, So for me, uh, a fundamental kind of Sabbath practice that brings me life uh, is on Sabbath, uh, you know, I love coffee. And so on my Sabbath day, I try to make a really good cup of coffee. Uh, I measure the beans. I, I monitor the temperature of the water. I spend the time because I just love coffee. And so my first thing in the morning on my Sabbath day is to have a really good cup of coffee. Uh, And to do that in the awareness and the recognition that God is the mastermind behind coffee. He's the one who invented the coffee bean. And so he wants me to enjoy this beautiful, tasty cup of coffee. Uh, But also with that, one of the practices that brings me life is going on a hike and setting up a hammock. I've got a hammock that can strap to two trees. And so oftentimes it's going to Goodyear Metro Park on a really nice day, putting the hammock out, uh, bringing a good book, uh, reading, and then doing some journaling. Because that time alone and that time set apart is part of what brings me life. And sometimes I fall asleep in the hammock, which is really awkward in a public park. But, hey, I need the rest. And so it's even allowing myself to not have to do something or strive after something or prove something. Instead, just simply enjoying life. And so Sabbath can become one of the best days of the week for your marriage, uh, for your singleness, for your family life, right? You can also incorporate like who are life-giving people, uh, who are the people that I just love spending time with. It could be time with family, uh, having a bit of a family celebration. Uh, If you're married, it's a good time to connect with your spouse in all the ways that you need to connect emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, That Sabbath is God's yes to life. Uh, One of the beautiful practices in kind of how uh, uh, the Jewish people practice Sabbath is that Sabbath comes with a blessing. Uh, In other words, that as people gather around the table uh, for the Sabbath meal, there's also blessings that are spoken over the people who are present uh, as a way to affirm and celebrate and bless the people who are gathered around the table. Uh, So that's a practice that Kelly and I have integrated into our Sabbath practices in that first meal where we often will go out, we'll we'll buy a meal from a local place, uh, something that we've been wanting to try for a little while. We'll bring it home. uh, We'll light a candle. We'll read through a prayer. uh, And then at the end of that prayer, there's an opportunity to speak a blessing or an affirmation, which is just a way of saying, I want to affirm this in you from this past week, or I want to bless this in you uh, from this past week as a way to celebrate and enjoy the presence of the people that are gathered with you on the Sabbath. So the intimidating and beautiful invitation of Sabbath 
is not just to say no to things, but it is in fact to say this deep and profound yes to enjoying life with God, uh, that we might dare to ask this profound question that God might in fact want to enjoy time with me. And maybe he even created a world that he wants me to enjoy. And he invites me on the Sabbath day to enjoy it with him. last thing to think about in your Sabbath practice then is saying no. Uh, Now this comes last because once we've said yes to the things that matter most, then the no becomes a whole lot easier because we are saying no to everything else that gets in the way of our yes. That after we have said, hey, these are the things that give me life. Uh, This is the opposite of what work looks like. And this is what time with Jesus needs to look like. Then it's looking at yourself and looking at the world around you, your environment, your work schedule, your phone, and saying, what are the things that are going to steal that away? Uh, And it could be summed up in this one question. Am I trying to be productive, to perform, or to prove something to someone else? Am I trying to be productive, to perform, or to prove something to someone else? Uh, Because each one of those things tends to be a way in which I'm trying to get ahead or I'm trying to prove something or I'm trying to work towards a goal in front of me. Uh, Productivity is I feel like I need to get ahead. I need to produce. I need to do something with this time. Uh, And so saying no to productivity means that this time doesn't have to be super efficient, that I don't have to accomplish a whole lot of things. Instead, I'm allowed to rest and just be. Performing is where I'm trying to prove something, right? So those two words kind of go hand in hand. Am I performing for someone? Uh, I shared this on Sunday that two weekends ago we were practicing Sabbath and I had this urge in me that I needed to have a really good Sabbath because I was teaching on the Sabbath in a couple weeks. Uh, And so that became a performance uh, where I was trying to prove something. So I found myself paying extra attention to my cup of coffee to make sure it was really good because I wanted to be able to talk about my good cup of coffee with people in two weeks. And so that temptation creeps in where I'm trying to perform something. Early on in my practice of Sabbath, I wanted to post about it. Uh, You know, I'd be making my cup of coffee and I want to post on my Instagram story. Here's my cup of coffee. But I found that that's actually me trying to perform in some kind of way, trying to prove something to someone. And so now on, on my Sabbath, day, I don't post on social media hardly at all uh, because that very quickly becomes a temptation where I'm trying to perform. And so I think part of saying no on our Sabbath is saying, what guardrails can I put around this time to make sure that I'm not falling into the old trap of performing or trying to produce? Uh, So I think there's just two things to think about in your practice that can help you begin to protect that time with a good no. The first is preparation, Uh, that as you anticipate heading into a time of Sabbath, uh, there's a little bit of preparation that you're probably going to need to do that will help your environment as you enter into Sabbath. Uh, So some of the things that Kelly and I do in our time as we enter into Sabbath is, uh, you know, Thursday around 4.30 or 5 uh, is when I'm kind of wrapping up my work. uh, And I will take an hour or an hour and a half and I will just pick up everything around the house. 
to pick up all the mess, to, to empty the dishwasher, uh, to just make sure that things are in a state where I'm not going to be sitting in my house feeling like I need to clean something uh, or try to arrange or organize something. Uh, and then when the, set, when the dishwasher is empty, it becomes very easy over the course of the next Sabbath day as we have meals at home or as we make dishes, we just put them in the dishwasher and let them wait for after the Sabbath. Uh, the other thing that we tend to do in that time is we do grocery shopping right before we go uh, as a way to say we're going to make sure we have everything that we need so that we won't have to run out to the store. We won't have to go do something. And instead, we just simply be. Uh, and so what preparation do you need to do in that time, uh, a few hours before you enter into Sabbath to make sure that the next few hours of Sabbath are restful? Uh, and this is why part of our practice is our first meal with the Sabbath is typically uh, going to a local restaurant and bringing something home. Uh, because sometimes there's some weeks in our preparation where we are trying to pick up the house and we go out for groceries. And, and before we know it, it's like 8 or 8.30 before we have actually sat down to enter into the Sabbath. That doesn't happen every week, but it does happen some weeks. And so by beginning our Sabbath with a good meal, we are uh, saying, hey, we're starting this well. Uh, we're going to enjoy this good meal together, and we are going to know that all the preparation that needs to happen uh, is all set so that we can simply enjoy this time. And I think part of the preparation, too, for Sabbath is to keep things simple. Right? Don't overanalyze things or don't overcomplicate things. Uh, Sabbath night can be pizza night. Uh, Sabbath night can be ice cream Sunday night. Uh, it doesn't have to be some big ordeal in order to make it happen, uh, but it's simply a mindset shift where we say, hey, this is how we're going to practice Sabbath. And so these are the things that we need to get done. And so what preparation do you need to put into place uh, to make sure that you can rest over the course of however long your Sabbath practice is going to be? The second thing to consider with your Sabbath practice is kind of a technological guardrail. In other words, how are you going to put a fence around your Sabbath time to prevent the distractions that come from technology? Uh, I have found that I am tempted to perform or to be productive most often on my phone. And so I've had to learn that there's a couple of things that I need to do to be able to say no in the Sabbath time to productivity and performance. Uh, the first thing that I do is at the end of my workday on Thursday, I shut my laptop down, I organize my desk so any piles are taken care of, uh, just as a way to say I'm done working for the week. Uh, and so I put that all away and I let it just sit there. Uh, and the other thing that I do then is I take off my watch. Uh, because my watch tells me the time, but it also gives me notifications. It also has a fitness tracker. And so if I'm not careful, I'm going to be trying to walk too much or try to perform somehow in order to keep up with my stats. And so it's just one tangible way to say this time is not a time to perform. The other thing then is on my phone, I have uh, implemented a regularly scheduled do not disturb mode. Uh, if you have an Apple product, you can actually build this schedule in so it happens automatically so that at 7 p.m. on Thursday night all the way until 5 p.m. on Friday night, uh, notifications don't come through my phone. I still get things, but I have to choose to look at them. Uh, phone calls, except for a few people, won't come through. Uh, and it's just simply a way for me to protect the time where oftentimes my attention or my tendency to perform is rooted in my phone. Uh, so that becomes one way that I can shield and guard that time. Uh, for the sake of saying no 
to productivity and performance. And so you may need to do something similar. Uh, you may need to put your phone away for a few hours. You may need to uh, turn your phone off for a few hours. You may need to take off all your fitness trackers or maybe all those things that are around you that teach you to perform so that you can simply be. Uh, maybe for you, Sabbath day means that you wear something super comfy. Maybe it's a sweatpants day uh, because you work in kind of a formal environment. And so sweatpants are a way of telling your body, this is Sabbath day. Uh, don't overanalyze it, but also have fun with it to say, how can I really enter into the space to experience the rest and the joy that God intends for me on the Sabbath? Because oftentimes where we get this wrong is we make the no the priority rather than the yes to the things that God wants us to enjoy. And so when you find yourself struggling with the no, like, oh, I've, I've done these things that I shouldn't do on the Sabbath, or you're trying to make sure that you don't do a bunch of things on the Sabbath and it actually becomes a burden, you've probably slipped out of the true intent of the Sabbath, which is to enjoy life, and moved into more of a legalistic approach to the Sabbath, which says that God's going to be disappointed with me if I do these things. Because fundamentally, Sabbath is about slowing down to enjoy God's presence, to enjoy his life with us. And out of that rest, we then return back to our week, uh, rejuvenated and reconnected with the God who gives us meaning, the God who gives us an identity, the God who gives us what we need so that we can then properly approach our work from a place of settled trust in God's love and enjoyment of us. you are in this practice of pace, I want to encourage you to simply take the next step. Uh, maybe that is taking the step of looking at your week and saying, when can I find a few hours to rest, to step out of the flurry of activity and the busyness of work, to rest and to be. Uh, maybe it is saying yes to some things that you've been afraid to say yes to for a while. Maybe it is trusting that God, in fact, does want to enjoy time with you. And so stepping out of the flurry of activity to simply be with him is a way of enjoying his presence and practicing pace. Maybe for you, it's about honing in the no, uh, protecting your time by setting up some guardrails. Maybe that's a uh, time of preparation so that you're not always trying to do something on your Sabbath. Or maybe it's setting up some technological guardrails so that you're uh, honed in on your presence and your practice during your period of Sabbath. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, what I want you to get from this is that Sabbath is not something that we have to perform. Uh, Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath is a gift that once a week, every seven days, God brings us this gift and he asks us to simply open it and to enjoy it. And just like a good gift giver revels when a person truly enjoys the gift that they've given, that's God's heart towards us on the Sabbath, is that when we enjoy him, and when we enjoy his good gifts of food and of friendship and of family and community and, and creation, that he celebrates that with us. And that is the profound, beautiful invitation of Sabbath. And so this week, may you feel the freedom to slow down, the freedom to say yes to time with Jesus, to time to rest, time for joy and celebration so that you may anticipate the new creation that God is bringing into our world starting this week. 